What's going on, good people? It's your boy MIC, aka MI Corleone, but I'm just dropping the Corleone. I'm just gonna have it MIC now, and um, for copyright reasons and all that. So, just going by MIC, founder of Beats by the Kilo Productions, BeatsbyTheKilo.com, and all that. But this is the Learn As You Grow podcast episode. We'll be on four or five right now. And um, this episode is a different type of episode. We took off for Easter and um, for a spring break for two weeks. So we come back to a sad, sad last week and a half of um, DMX being in the hospital of in hip hop with DMX being in the hospital and um, RIP now to Black Rob. And that's a whole another different story. And um, excuse me, that just happened. So um, I'm not going to get too deep into that. And how I feel about that. But um, next episode, I definitely will be touching on that. Because um, I got something to say about, you know, everything that's going on with Black Rob and all that. And um, how a lot of people feel and um, how I feel. So I just want to state my facts. So um, DMX, man. Earl Simmons. I probably heard him first. Um, I don't know. I'm trying to think if the Cannabis vs. DMX was out before the album or after the album. Because I wasn't the biggest fan of Mike Geronimo. So I didn't hear that song with Mike Geronimo. Uh, Jay-Z, Ja Rule, and X, or whoever was on it, and uh, I still don't even like that song, but um, that's just me personally, but when I heard, first time I seen X, and you know, and that, the image of X is different than what, you know, it's not different, but it's, um, you know, X, you need to, you need to see X, you need to, you know, you need to, X is just one of them bulls who give you so much energy, like, you got, you got to see, see him and, and, and his body, you know, movements and, and, and just how he was, so when I seen him first on LL Cool J's uh, 4321 with everybody on it, Master P was on that joint. Man, he had everybody on that track. But, um, Cannabis, that's what started the whole LL Cannabis beef. And, um, so, so X killed that track, murdered it. Um, Mace came out, 24 Hours to Live came out, murdered that. Um, The Locks came out, Money, Power, Respect. X murdered that. Um, so he was just just murdering tracks. And um I think I think 
Volume 2, Jay-Z's Volume 2 came out a little bit before um, X's uh, first album. They both came out the same year. I know X's album came out in May. I'm pretty sure Hov's album came out a little bit before that. And um, so when Jay came out, Jay was on his last leg, kind of. And I say that because I'm talking about with Def Jam and um, Universal, his distribution, distributions for Rockefeller. And so I'm going to tell you how deep it is. And if there was no DMX on how it would, it would be and what wouldn't be. So I'm going to get deep here with you. So bear with me. Let's go. So DMX was killing the scene on every feature that he was on. Jay-Z was just coming off of um, a flop. Um, volume one, where he tried to sound like Puffy and and Biggie, and they were, they, him and Dame were trying to do something like that, and it didn't work out at all. Uh, the album brought some classics um, to me, like Cough Up Along, um, you know, and a couple other songs, You Must Love Me, and all that. But, um, the album was, was a disappointment to, to Def Jam. And um, Def Jam was trying to, to do something to come back. And they had LL Cool J. They had Onyx. They had Cormega. They had Redman. I don't even know if they had Method Man at the time. I don't even think they had Method Man at the time. I'm not sure. But I don't think they did. I know they had Death Squad. But uh, Death Squad was on their last leg. Um, as far as being a mainstream group. And uh, I'll say all that to say. Jay-Z was about to get dropped if the success of Volume 2 didn't work out. And um, they were he was banking, he was banking on volume two. And um, he hit him with that hard knock life. And that just, that, that summer, that 98 summer, all DMX was playing. But in between that, you would hear a lot of people's cars playing the Hard Knock Life, too. And Hard Knock Life, John, blew up crazy also. And um, so X... Who was on 
Jay-Z's second single. Now, without that second single, go through the list. And and Jay-Z had the Can I Get It. I'm sorry. He had the Can I Get It from the Rush Hour soundtrack. Was really putting... That put him up. But... When that Money Cash Holes came out... When that came out... Like... Jay killed it. Don't get me wrong. Jay murdered it. But X outshined him on that. Um... Not lyrically. But he outshined him with his appearance, with his voice, with his, with it, with, with just his rawness. You know what I mean? Like, just that, that, that. Oh, man. He's just, when he came off on that jump, DMX and my dog's bite. Chicken, my uh, rock, rock, like the yo, what? Everybody was yo, they couldn't wait. It was they would rock that song for the last verse. For for they couldn't wait for X's verse. Same thing with uh, 24 hours to live, and and you know, money, power, respect, and all that. So you know, that was one of Mesa's singles. Every track that X was on, they were making a single. So, fast forward a little bit, and not even a little bit, fast forward a couple months. Now, Irv Gotti is at A&R at um, Def Jam. He's the one that brought him DMX. So, without Irv Gotti, it might not be no DMX, for real. He's with the Rough Riders, but DNY said themselves they was in the street. They weren't very worried about no rap, especially you know. Let's just call it for what it's worth. I mean, you know, X was the Grammy ball. Like he was, you know, he could rap. Like they, he, they knew he could rap like a motherfucker, but they probably got him, signed him for the low, and um. So. D. Um, said, who is um, one of the founders of Rough Riders said that he didn't even know that, you know, X was gonna. Um, how can you say it? that X was was going to blow up like that. He said he didn't know until they did a video for um, the Rough Riders Anthem and all them people came out with all them bikes and cars and shit. So he said after that, like, he knew, like, it was either one or the other. At the time, he was so caught up in hustling that it was cool. He didn't, give a, he didn't care. But then he seen all that, and he was like, I got to turn this music thing around. This music stuff is something else, and um, he knew now there was there was gonna be real money involved in this. So, without DMX, there is no Eve. There is no Deluxe. 
You understand? He brought the lot to Rough Riders who then went to Bad Boy. And then they signed a Bad Boy. And Puffy didn't want to sign X. Puffy had the chance to sign X. And Puffy chose not to sign X, but just to sign the locks. And then Puffy realized he made a mistake <laughs> couple couple months later and then doubled back. He told X he wasn't marketable. He was too he was too raw. And um that proved to be the opposite. But it wasn't just people say like um they needed some you know, something just to um, match what Puffy and Mace was doing at the time. And um, to bring the rawness back to hip-hop, Onyx was out. They were promoting Onyx heavy. Wu-Tang was out. In 1997, they they dropped their second album, Wu-Tang, to double disc and forever. So they were all out. And X outshined all at the whole industry that summer. And with that album, it's dark as hell and hell is hot. But then, to come back, to for for them to see that that album was doing so well, that they said, "We will give you a million dollars if you can give us an album in thirty days." Imagine that. Now. We didn't meet Earl Simmons yet. We met DMX. We didn't meet Earl yet. So, now, of course, X got, X had rhymes for days, you know what I mean? He just only put out one album. He still got all his old stuff from back in the day, you know what I mean? That's, that's still hot. So, he's, yeah, I'll give you an album. That album produced Black Album song with Jay-Z and the locks and that's when you've seen the riff that Murder Inc which was supposed to be a group with Jay-Z, DMX and Ja Rule wasn't going to be it because he put the locks on there he ain't put Ja Rule on there and it was already being said that Ja Rule was trying to copy uh, DMX's style and all that and it put Irv Gotti in it in a crazy situation because, you know, he had, they had beef with each other and all that, and it was just, just a crazy, crazy time, and, um, so, they, um, wound up not having a group, but that group would have been crazy, DMX, Jay-Z, and Ja Rule, if you listen to Ja Rule's first album, they got a song called on there, on there, and um, that it's just that song is so crazy. DMX's verse on there and NJZ's verse. As a matter of fact, the last time Jay and DMX was on video together, I don't know if they talked since then or not. It might have been the last time they spoke. It was backstage at. At, um, I believe the Bad Boy Reunion concert. 
So, uh, when they were backstage there, Jay-Z was saying to him, um, I mean, DMX was saying to Jay-Z, like, about that verse that he had on there. When he was like, he said, I dip, he said, he said, I dip squat and post up with the toast up. I bring beef to a closure. No sign from Cat Sacky to Folsom. No sign. I scream out, fuck the world, and I throw something. Yo, like, and X was saying, like, you know, he was spitting Jiggy's verse, and Jay was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think they was reminiscing, like, if they would have became a group, because that song was just so crazy. And, like, them two was so competitive back and forth that that's what it called for. And even on the Blackout song on DMX's second album, it's crazy. Like, it's, it's something that that can't be explained, man. You just got to listen to it. And um, if you if you feel the vibes to it, you feel the vibes to it. But, like I said, if you go through volume two, besides Can I Get It, what would have been the second single? Because Can I Get It was... A single on the Rush Hour soundtrack. It wasn't on volume two. Let's get that clear. Def Jam did the Rush Hour soundtrack, which is what you know. And, you know, they had Cisco at the time. They had Drew Hill at the time. You know, they were doing a thing on the R&B tip, but it wasn't, they weren't putting up new Rihanna numbers. And, um, so, X dropped. That album dropped two albums in one year. And I remember when I went to the um, <laughs> when I went to the to the record store, I used to go to buy my CDs. And um, I was just just looking through. I knew they didn't have the new X yet, whatever. I was just looking through, I think. Maybe Eve might have came out around. I don't know. Nah, Eve came out a little later. And um, somebody's album came out, and uh, I was going to cop it. It might have even been uh, Fat Joe, the Don Carter, Gina, Joe. One, some, one of them albums. But anyway, uh, the dude in the back tells me, yo, I got the new DMX. I'm like, what? He's like, yo, but I only got it on tape, on cassette tape. And by this time, CDs were popping. And I'm like, dang, but cassettes were, were still doing this thing. You know what I mean? It was like um, on, his, on their last leg. And um, so I'm like, give me that. Need cassettes were cheap, cheaper anyway. So God, it was like ten dollars. I remember bringing big, being in Millbridge Apartments and um, seven seventy top on the top apartment. And uh, I told my man Quandell. I got the new X. He like, ain't out of that shit, ain't out yet. I'm telling him in school, like, 
bro, I got this shit. Like, I'm not, I ain't no cap. And he's, he's, you cap, man. All right, bro. He's like, nah, though, you probably got some songs and shit, but nah, you ain't got it. Dude, I'm t I got the official joint with the artwork, bro. Like, he got blood all over himself on the artwork. And Quandell lived in the same apartment complex. So it's like a little a project, a little, little spot out in Camden County. Because um, I was going to school out there doing my thing. And um, Quandell couldn't believe it. I had it like two weeks early. But, yeah, definitely had that popping. And, um... Everybody wanted to dub. Yo, dub me a tape. Dub me a tape. And then that's, that's back in the day when you would, you know, somebody would give you a blank tape. And while you was listening to it, you would just record it on the other, on the other tape deck. And, you know, you would record it for somebody else. Dub, dub it for them. And, uh, yeah, that's how we used to do it back then. So I dubbed him a copy. And uh, he had the new X. So it was like, it was a big deal back then. And um, there wasn't, it wasn't no internet stuff going on. It was AOL and all that, but as far as music, internet, it wasn't there yet. And uh, I can relate to DMX on a lot of levels because that's who M.I. Corleone is. M.I.C. is um, the rapper in me. Whatever, you know, I want to call myself. Um, but it's like, there's me too. There's Michael Karen too. The person. And um, I think I got the first glimpse of Earl Simmons on Slipping or uh, The Prayer maybe um, Slipping probably and they even blanked out like stuff on the editive or on, on the non-editive version like Talking about, you know, couple couple of forties made me break, son. I did some coke now I'm ready to take son. They didn't want to promote him as being a drug addict. And let me let me say son, I forgot to say in the beginning what what also made me uh, a crazy fan of X was Belly. The movie Belly. Um I lived in uh, in Millbridge, and we would we didn't have cable for a while, and I was embarrassed by that, you know, at 12 years old, you know, and you know all my friends, you know, lived in, you know, they they just had had more. It seemed it seemed like, and uh, but we had enough, you know, and cable just wasn't. A priority, and um, that's when you know um, my mom 
got me to belly uh, move me for I don't even know what is it what is it? Christmas, my birthday, I don't even know something. I got to she got me to belly move. But all we had was like three, six, ten, and twenty-nine. So I would just whenever somebody came in, so they didn't realize that I ain't have cable. Um, I would just throw the belly joint on like trying to watch belly like yeah. So I would watch that I watched that movie so much that I can literally tell you line for line that for that whole movie and I ain't even seen it in years. And I can still literally tell you line for line that whole movie. And um that movie I kinda caught a glimpse of who Earl could have been. But when you get a million dollars at his age, think about that. Just think about that. Now, there's the person, Earl Simmons, the man. Um, not the rapper, you know. All rappers get in rapper mode. Um, they have their personality and they have their rapper personality. I mean, it's just what it is. And that's why these young boys are getting caught up with uh, trying to be so real. That's like, dog, you're talking about it in your raps and then living it. Like, why would you want to do that if you don't have to live it? Like, you just rapping about stuff that... And doing it because you think that's what you're supposed to do. Like, nah, you doing it backwards. You rapping about stuff and then doing it. That's ass backwards. And um, I don't know. It's just something that, that makes me wonder. Sometimes it's like, how would I have reacted to... Um, getting all them millions. You gotta understand, when X came out, it was like, he did get at me, dog. And uh, that came out. And then, Hype Williams was like, I want I want you to be in Belly. Bang. He's, he, now he's in a movie. And uh, he's all over. Uh, he got a scene, with, you know, with the chick, with Keisha. You know, um, I forget her her um, government name, but um, in the movie, her name's Keisha, the girl from, um, she was in a Bronx Tale, so he got the scene where, you know, um, you know, she, oh my gosh, she's all beautiful, and, and he was knocking it down, and she had the craziest body, I mean, oh my God, but yeah, that scene. Everybody knows that scene. And um, a lot of the women um, was falling in love with X from that scene, too. So um, the women just started floating the X. And so imagine that you, they just gave you, you got the number one album that already went platinum in like two weeks. And um, they just, they're giving you another million 
just to do another album. I'm not saying like that's what we're giving you for the album. Like, nah, we'll give you another million dollars if you could produce us another album within 30 days so we could put it around out around Christmas time. That saved Def Jam. That saved them for that year, the 1998 year. Like, I mean, because that's when Russell sold it. That's when Russell sold it to Universal and, um, and and gave up everything that um, Def Jam kind of was. And it was falling off. So, that's why I say X definitely, definitely helped save Def Jam. But after that, so now he got the movie out. He got two albums, platinum albums out. He's all over the place. He's on tour, on the Hard Not Life tour, knocking down everything. Um, you know, chicks just throwing themselves out at them, you know what I mean? This is, now you gotta remember the man. This was a, for, uh, a, a, a person, a man, a boy, who got put into a group home at eight. And I can understand that situation. Because I was in institutions since I was 14. You understand? You know, I did time, um, 15, 16, um, St. Gabe's, um, 17, 18, you forester camp, number two. You know what I mean? I did them, you know, did them juvenile bills. So I know what it was like. And, um... It's like, it's like you're in jail there. It's like, you know, and you're not home. And I couldn't imagine not having your peoples coming to visit or nothing like that. I used to see, you know, my homies in there, if they ain't have their folks coming to visit, like, I'm breaking them off something, man. Because I can't just be, I can't be that bull. I mean, you know... Especially when you're that young, you know, in jail now, I ain't, if you not my dog out from out in the streets, like, I ain't giving you shit, but, like, to see somebody, like, because I was older, you know what I mean, in, in that situation, like, they put, they had us on the block, it was like, um, probably, um, 15 to 18, and, um, I, at, at the one bit, I was older, and you know, it'd be young bulls, you know, 15. They ain't got nobody coming up to visit them. Like, dang, like you you broke off all ties this early in life. And um, it's sad, but it made me realize like, that's, that's what people are going through. And it made me realize that I'm fortunate for what I did have. You know, I was, you know, worried about my mom not having a vehicle and her having to walk up to the school to the principal for the prin- to see the principal all the time because I'm getting in trouble all the time. And I'm embarrassed that she got to walk to the school. Well, she wasn't getting summoned by the principal for my dumb ass being crazy and acting out in school. But I didn't know. I was just looking for attention. And I don't, you know, that's a whole nother story. So I can't imagine me at that time. 
coming home and and then like with my opiate um problem that I really didn't even know I had and so um years later um so I was about 21 and um all them years like if I withdraw it I thought it was the flu or something you know I didn't know and um so and that's crazy cause like all them you know I was that young going through that so I know what it's like to get dubbed into that cause um like I said, man, the person, Earl Simmons, started smoking crack when he was 18. When he was 14, he got tricked into smoking crack, and he liked it. And so he was that young, and he was already doing that before he even got signed. And to blow up and have that much money at your disposal and you're not working no type of program, um, you know, um, as far as with your, with your substance um, abuse issues. And uh, shit, he probably he might not even thought he had substance abuse issues at the time. You know, he's drinking and, and smoking, you know, smoking his little turbos or whatever. And woolies or whatever. And, uh, yeah, man. It's just, I wouldn't know what to do with all them millions and all them females throwing themselves at me. So, I can't blame him for getting caught up. Nobody can blame him, really. Because it ain't none of nobody's fucking business, for real. But nobody can come at him for, um, for being wrong. He ain't wrong in any situation. And because it's his life, you know, and he had to learn as he grew, you know, as the person, I'm not talking about DMX, DMX was on a whole nother level, um, as far as just lyrically, his, his, um, his, his, just, just his presence, his presence was just so impactful. When he was in the room, he demanded the attention. Dog, I'm trying to tell you, that's what he did. And, um, like, 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 what I'm doing, you know, I'm trying to show love to the man. Like, no. But that's how he'd be. He'd, and that was just him. That was DMX. But then there was Earl Simmons. When he talked a little bit lighter, you could tell Earl was coming in. Um, one of the times I seen Earl was when they interviewed him when he was in that jail in Arizona. That might have been the first time I've really, really seen and witnessed and heard and seen the gray hair and you know the you know he he wasn't all oiled up and shit you know what I mean and thrown on stage or on 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 film um and you 
you could just tell it was a hurt man who been through just so much and um, didn't know where to even start with fixing it because he didn't even know the problem and to have all these people um, at your disposal like he could have did anything he couldn't do no wrong I mean like I said he said he helped save Def Jam that whole building was, was, was behind him at that point and then comes the politics uh, you know third album came out and you could say you could tell that that's where the decline um began um because you know he had all that money at that time and i believe it's because the addiction came back man the addiction don't go when it, <laughs> addiction don't go away man it's, it's with you forever it's like your shadow is right behind all the time. Um, there's not a time when it's not behind you. So. Excuse me. I'm just, um, just thinking about the man, Earl, and if he even had anybody that he could be Earl to at that point. He was, I mean, um, Luda said it um, the best that I heard. And um, I heard a second hand from Lil Scrappy. He, he told Luda. Luda told him that when you get in the game and you blow up, like, you don't know who's there for the right reason and who's there for the wrong reason. And, uh, you know, if you're there for the wrong reasons, man, get from around the man. You know, he's going through enough shit. And, uh, but, hey, some people is just on some money hungry stuff. They said uh, one of Big Pun's homies was sending them junk food when he was in the fat farm um, camp to lose weight. Damn, like this man had to go to a rehab for food and you sending them uh, packages of junk food? My dude. So they got all these yes men around them. And it's hard to even um, there's so many layers that been covered over top of Earl I think at that time that that's what happened that um, it was it was Earl you know that that needed to come out and it was Earl that needed to um, deal with them past issues on um, why he 
does what he does and acts how he acts. And one thing about X is he always was the same. Uh, and I'm going from when I seen him, you know, first in, in the industry. And I'm talking about from what I see on his interviews and, and all that. He always was the same. Now, he been out for, what is it, 23 years. And he always was the same. But this time, there was something different. There was something different this time with him. Like, when he was on Drink Champs the other, um, a couple weeks ago or whatever, there was something different going on with him. Like, he was in a different mind state, like, in a, in a good way. Like, he was just, I, I, um, beg you to go listen to that Drink Champs interview that he did a couple weeks ago, maybe probably like a month ago. Not the tribute they just put out to him. Listen to that too, but go listen to the first time he was on Drink Champs and the second time. He wasn't even smoking or nothing. But if you look, if you go on YouTube, watch this Drink Champs Drink Chance episode, you're going to see that um, the way he was looking at Nori holding the blunt, like, damn, that shit look good. You know, you know. And um, he X wasn't smoking, and uh, X wasn't drinking, and they was all getting fucked up around him. And you know, X just had that look on his face, like, uh, like you know, he was sober, and he looked he looked very very good. And uh, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened, but I know the drugs out here right now, they're putting bullshit on top of bullshit on top of bullshit on top of bullshit. I'm talking about from the opiates to the coke to whatever. I'm talking about whatever. Hustling is not the same. These young boys is fucking up the game. And um, I don't know of anybody that um, overdosed like that. And I know people that, you know, uh, had heart attacks and all that. They say limb bias and all that. And um, I remember my friend, uh, Noli. I won't put his government out there, but R.I.P. Noli. Uh, he told me, because he was like, the first person I knew that was my friend, because he's older than me, that started smoking crack. So I was younger, and he'd tell me, like, yo, I was smoking last night, like, and I thought I was going to have a, a heart attack and shit. And like, I'm like, damn, like, for real. I, I just never knew how that feeling was, you feel me? So, um, I never heard of anybody having a heart attack and sitting in the hospital for that long and, and going through all that um, and then and then passing away, man. 
He's never heard of that, so it's goofy, man. Um, but I know with this Corona stuff, a lot of people's flying off, man. Like I said, R.I.P. to Black Rod. But DMX taught me to be myself at all times. And uh, DMX taught me to remember Michael Caron, first and foremost. Uh, and my Corleone, Beast by the Kilo, that's cool. But, you know, Jay said it the best. Uh, you could try to change that's just the top layer. You was who you was for you got here. In a sense, that's that's a little bit true. Because, you know, um, when you come in the game, you can only have, you know, until you come out, you can only change but so much. But, um, X, I believe, has so many layers over top of Earl that it was just like there was no coming back. Um, to to getting to the deep core of what the issues was with with him and his childhood and him um, letting down his pride, his ego. And he did don't he did that all you know, but there were certain things that he couldn't do that with, and uh, I'm the same way in many senses, and uh, I feel like if I would have got all that money and recognition at 26, I think I'd have been dead by now, and I'm 35, so. I think I would have really been dead by now. Uh, you know, now I'm in more position where it's like I, I know how to deal with money better. You know, uh, you know, I'm just in a better all-around um, mind state, and um, I learned a lot more. Um, so, you know, X was here for a reason as all of us are. Um, like, like Triple X, XXX, Tension, Tension, whatever his name is, R.I.P. Um, I wasn't the biggest fan of his, but I see the impact that he had on, on the youth. And it's like, yeah, imagine that. But imagine if, you would have, um, if he would have been around until for 20 years of your life, and then, you know, he gets, um, has a heart attack at 50 years old, and, um, X, you're going to be missed, we love you, everybody down here. I know you feel this and this energy, and I know you're up there with God right now, and your grandma, and uh, I know you up there with Kado and um, Boomer, and uh, if 
you don't know who them people are, then uh, I suggest you go look them up because they were some of DMS's closest um, people. And, you know, Boomer was, was his, his dog. And, um, like I said, man, RIP DMS. I can't say it enough. The man, Earl Simmons, got caught up in being DMX. And he already had an addiction problem. And when, you know, you get caught up in being DMX for 25 years, hey, man, you're going to lose yourself. This industry ain't designed for everybody. Um, it was designed for X, though. Because X never changed, like I said. He never changed. He was always smart. Like, he always, like, you know, he just never changed. He, he was always the same person. And is that a good thing? Um... I don't know, because if you look, uh, I also feel the same way about Jay-Z, though, you know, um, he damn near raised me uh, from doing everything, everything he did, um, he, he grew, and he, um, he, he learned as he grew. Grow, and um, that's who how can I explain it? That's how you can see the two differences between when one goes one way and the other goes the other way. Wanna go right, wanna go left. They might meet back up, kick it, but they can't kick it like that, cause one's right and one's left. And you know, they might meet in the middle for a minute, but they can't stay in the middle for too long. Cause the one on the left is either gonna come to the right side, or it's more likely that the one on the right side is gonna go to the left side. If you understand what I'm talking about. So, um, there was only so much people could do. And um, that's what I'm going to talk about in my next episode on Black Rod. And um, they're saying Diddy should have did more, could have did more, would have did more, should have. Oh, man. I'm going to talk on that next week. R.I.P. Earl. DMX Simmons Sincerely Thank you for everything that you taught us And it's only right That I end this The right way Father God I come to you humbly And ask you to look over the family of DMX, Earl Simmons. 
to let them never forget their father. And for the ones that's old enough, let them find it in their heart to forgive their father for what he has done. For he was caught up in the victim, as a victim of circumstance. Um, we don't know why you put this pressure on Earl. But we do know that you give your hardest battles to the strongest soldiers. Now, I believe DMX was fighting a battle his whole life. His whole life. And I believe that he's up there fighting for you right now, Lord. I believe that you needed him up there to fight against what's going on. You needed his guidance in some ways to say what's going on. Um, X is the type that, that cherished you so much, Lord, that he's one of the only rappers that does a prayer on every one of his albums. He'll come up to you, and if you ask him to pray right there, he'll, with no hesitation, pray. And, um, it's sad. But all this week I've been sad, Father God. But from now on, I'm going to celebrate his life. And I'm going to celebrate his legacy. I'm not the best at doing these prayers. But for X, I'm going to do it. And I'm going to do it on one take. And Father, you know, may you continue to watch over his kids. And um, may them have positive male role models in their lives. Because um, you know there's too many children without fathers right now. So please look after them children. And uh, Yeah, in your name I pray. Amen. I'm not the best at saying prayers and all that. Um, I'm more of a spiritual person than a religious person. Uh, I do believe in what I believe in. Uh, it's, it's, um, it's, I believe in God. Um, like I said, I believe in what I believe in, and um, I'll, I'll just leave it there, I believe in God, and um, and I know that X was the same way, um, he, Nori asked him, when you going to start a church, he said, I, I've been at a church, church is right now, right here, <laughs> I'll take my church with me, and that was some of the realest stuff. That could have been said because that's what we all should kind of do. Um, take the masjid with you. Um, conduct yourself like you're in a masjid at all times. You know, you're not going to be perfect, 
if anybody expects perfection from you, then, you know, you're going to fall short at some point. And um, if not, more power to you. But I know that I'm not perfect. And I know that DMX wasn't perfect. But he left something behind that most people would never, ever get to leave behind. And that's his life lessons to learn from. Let me say that again. His life can be studied and be learned from and learn what not to do. When you get that, that money, them checks come in, don't start spending right away. You know what I mean? Take something out small. Don't even act like you got the money yet. You don't even act like you got the money yet. Because as soon as you start going crazy, them layers start going over who you really are. And uh, just like what happened to Earl. And, uh, you know, if you're a rapper, you're, you know, you're, your name, your rap name, Wow Sean, your government name. And even if your rap name is your government name, then... You just gotta just. I don't even know. I'm gonna end it there. I'm gone. RIP or. You know. See you next week. Yo, what's going on, man? It's your boy, MIC, aka MI Corleone. But, um, I'm just letting you know that, uh, my production company, Beats by the Kilo, got a new album out. It's called The Early Days. Days spelled D-A-Z-E. It's all the beats that I made when I first started making beats. You know, I'm just throwing them out there because I got some fire. You know what I mean? Some of them ain't the best. But you're going to see my growth. That's what it's about. You learn as you grow. So I want to put them out as the early days um, collection. And so you see the growth. And I'm going to still put out the One Brick at a Time album. That's coming maybe April 30th. We'll see. You know.